Welcome back. Today, we are heading back to Idaho to catch up with new information in the Idaho murders case and a lot, a lot of new information in that TikTok psychic Idaho defamation case. There are a ton of documents that have been filed. I've not seen this widely covered, and it might be because I am so deep in Murdoch trial that I can't recover. I'm still not recovered from a elected medical examiner using his hands in, in victims' armpits to test for time of death. I'm still not recovered. If you're not following Murdoch coverage, that is over on my YouTube channel and on Quick Bits as we're getting caught up there. But today, back to Idaho, updates from Brian Koberger and a whole lot, a whole lot of outrageous stuff happening in that defamation lawsuit. I can't wait to look at these documents with you. I've previewed them. Some are first looks for me because I wanted I wanted you to get to react with me because, oh boy, it looks like um, I'm going to just, before the intro, before the intro, I'm going to just tell you what I see here. The TikToker is suing the professor. Yep, that's happening. That's happening. The TikToker is suing the professor. We have to talk about this. It's wild. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. Our sponsor, Nord, is celebrating their 11th birthday, and I'm so excited that they're bringing us deals to celebrate with them. I have an exclusive offer for you that you're not going to want to miss. Being on the internet opens you up to a whole bunch of pesky little eyes trying to look at what your dad is doing. Nord is a virtual private network that helps with all of the common attacks that you see online today. Not just phishing attacks and password attacks, but malware and malvertising as well. And those are just a few. Those seeking to get your data are getting more clever, which is why you absolutely need a VPN. Nord is the one I trust with my family because they stay on top of it too, and they do not keep logs of your data. So encrypt your online traffic across the interwebs, and you can do that on your computer, your phone your tablet device, and more. So go Nord. It's your birthday. You can use my link to get your exclusive deal for a limited time only. That's right. You will receive a mystery gift on top of it. And as always, there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash Emily D. Baker. That's NordVPN.com slash Emily D. Baker. So go get yourself a VPN and protect yourself from the nonsense online. But we need to get back to the nonsense in today's episode. Before we get into the fact that there's now a counterclaim in the defamation suit, which procedurally came after some other very significant motions in this case, before we talk about the audacity of it all, I wanted to just swoop back, circle back. Zoom back, close the loop to something we talked about previously. And that is the conflict of interest 
We are hearing from sources close to the case through News Nation and other outlets that the judge and defense attorney have met and have resolved any perceived conflict of interest. You know, I told you I didn't think that um, there was a legal conflict of interest, though the perception and like the gut feeling on it was weird that Ann Taylor had represented some of the victim's parents in the past and even in a current case that she's now removed herself from. But that has been resolved as of, or is being reported to be resolved as of February 16th. Also, new details were coming out about the 911 call, again, from, quote, sources close to the investigation, that it was a close friend of Ethan and Zana that found them and then called 911, and that Brian Koberger was terminated as a TA in December prior to the arrest, but had been on probation as a TA in his very first semester as a TA for failing to meet the conditions required to maintain his funding and failing to comport to the norms of professional behavior, in addition to student complaints about his behavior as a TA and uh, less than ideal interactions with a professor that he was TAing for. In addition to that, over 30 media outlets plus Kaylee Gonsalves' family have filed to lift parts of the gag order. In this case, there is a very hefty gag order. There are those seeking to have it um, overturned as an undue burden on free speech and a prior restraint on free speech, saying you can't, these are parties, not the lawyers, that you can't have involved in a gag order. And the media outlets saying, hey, you are blocking the media from court process. And in this, we're clearly seeing leaks coming out in the case still. And we're actually seeing Brian Koberger objecting to the motion to loosen the gag order, which is a very interesting thing. So there is also now a fight over how restricted the parties will be and whether the extension to victims' families and their lawyers is, well, a bridge too far in this case. We will see what happens there, but it's interesting to see how many media outlets have joined saying, no, if we want to report, this is a case of high public interest and transparency in the courts is a very big part of that and making sure that those close to the investigation can give accurate information. And that is necessary. So we will see what happens if the gag order is lifted, but clearly information is coming out. The letter of dismissal for Brian Koberger has come out. The um, contents of emails about Brian Koberger being disciplined as a teaching assistant have made their way out to the media. So there, there is not going to be anything airtight in this case, given how large of um, a profile it has in the media. But with that, we have to move on. Those are kind of the updates. And again, it is all secondhand and thirdhand reporting. We don't have access to a lot of these court documents, which is a frustration for me and something I am working on. So with that, it is time to move in to the court documents that we do have. And the court documents that we do have are related to the defamation case. But first, a word from our sponsor. A huge thank you to today's sponsor, Green Chef. And a very personal thank you, because I don't think I would have eaten dinner during the now five weeks of trial coverage if it weren't for Green Chef delivering fast, easy meals 
to my door. They are fresh ingredients, and Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal delivery kit, so you know you are getting tremendous ingredients, fresh and organic. Green Chef makes eating well easy for any type of lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or you're, you know, an allergy to tomatoes like me, and you just want more balanced meals that your kids will also eat, that can be ready in about 30 minutes, that you don't have to go to the grocery store and shop for, and that have creative recipes that you would never think of yourself because who has time to look at cookbooks or search online for recipes? Did I mention how much I love Green Chef? (laughs) If you're ready to try Green Chef for yourself, get some meals delivered to your door with 60% off and support the show. Go to greenchef.com slash emilybaker60 and use code emilybaker60 for 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash emilybaker60 for 60% off and free shipping. Find out for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Now let's get back to something that's not going well, and that's this pro se defamation suit. Because woo, buddy. In a previous episode of The Emily Show, I covered the defamation case between Professor Rebecca Schofield, not related to Brian Koberger being a TA in any way, by the way, same universe, no, different university, because Brian Koberger was at Washington, uh, Washington, and this is Rebecca Schofield over at Idaho, where the victims went to school, versus Ashley Gouliard, the TikToker. I'm going to continue to call the defendant the TikToker, not in a disparaging way to TikTokers, but just in a, sometimes when people do stuff that is so um, distasteful to me, I hate to give their names more, I don't know, credence, clicks. It's just, my feelings about this case, I've made clear from the beginning, this is some pretty horrific defamation, just on my opinion. But I did say that there was room for perhaps filings with regard to jurisdiction. Rebecca Schofield is a professor in Idaho. The defendant is alleged to live in Texas and running into the same information that we're, or the same situation that we're seeing in like the Toddy Westbrook defamation case with a YouTuber is when the YouTuber doesn't live in the state where the influencer lives that is being attacked, does the internet establish those necessary minimum contacts with the form jurisdiction to then sue there. And that is the way that the lawsuit worked in uh, the Toddy Westbrook case, where it ended up being dismissed for being the improper venue and jurisdiction for the case, saying, hey, if you want to sue the person that lives there, go sue them there. I thought that that could happen in this case. We're going to talk about why it's not. But before we get to that, we get a motion for default. What is a default? A default means you have not shown up to the case and a default a default can be entered. And if a default's entered, a default judgment can later be entered. A default judgment meaning um, you didn't defend this. We have ruled against you. You have been found liable. And now there is a default judgment. So this was filed on January 19th, motion for clerk's default background. Plaintiff, the professor, filed her complaint seeking affirmative relief on December 21st, 2022. On December 27th, defendant was served with the complaint. Defendant was served with the complaint. TikToker served with the complaint December 22nd, 7th, December 27th. With the complaint summons civil cover sheet in the case. Defendant's deadline to file responsive pleadings was January 17th. Mind you, this is not in the filing. 
for those of you that do not watch on the YouTubes, this is not in the filing. But mind you, this TikToker went on to TikTok and insinuated that she was going to be wiping her tookus with the lawsuit, with the cease and desists, with the rest of it. So this has also been playing out on TikTok as well. Defendant's deadline to file responsive pleadings were January 17th. To date, defendant has not filed responsive pleadings or otherwise appeared in the matter. And then they argue the clerk should enter the default. The plaintiff seeks affirmative relief in the complaint. Defendant has been served. Defendant failed to file responsive pleadings or otherwise defend the claims made against her. The clerk's entry of default is thus mandatory under federal rule of civil procedure 55A, which states that, quote, when a party against whom a judgment for affirmative relief is sought has failed to plead or otherwise defend, and that failure is shown by affidavit or otherwise, the clerk must enter the party's default, and then it is signed. Let's see what the clerk did, shall we? Remember, the motion for default was filed on January 19th. What we normally see when those motions are filed is a defendant going, oh shit, and then immediately filing an apology with the court and an answer like, we didn't mean to default, we didn't mean to default, here's our very reasonable excuse, help? Or we didn't mean to default, we communicated with defense count or the other counsel and they said we could have an extension and there's a mistake. It's not what happened here. Here's what the clerk had to say. January 27th, clerk's entry of default. Mm. Pursuant to federal rule of civil procedure 55A, it appears by affidavit or otherwise from the records in the above entitled action that the summons and complaint have been served upon the defendant named below, TikToker. It further appears that defendant TikToker has failed to plead or otherwise defend in said action. As directed in said summons and provided in the federal rules of civil procedure, the defendant, Ashley Gouliard TikToker, is therefore in default, January 27th. So the clerk filed the default. The clerk said, yeah, on January 27th, there was time between the 19th and the 27th for the defendant, which is what we see in most cases, to go, oh, S, please fix it. Please fix it. That's not what happened here. A default has been entered in the case. The TikToker is defaulted. This means the TikToker by, by the court has been found liable and defaulted. This is a default judgment against the TikToker. Just going on TikTok and being like, hey, I'm not dealing with this shit isn't a response to the court. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. February 16th. February 16th. Defendant TikToker, defendants counterclaim and answer and affirmative defenses. Not only did she not address the default yet, the TikToker files an answer to the complaint, affirmative defenses, and sues Rebecca Schofield, the professor. That's the response to the default, is to counter sue the professor. And, and she's doing it pro se. And filed this motion with personal identifying information, which is why I'm not showing the rest of the front page. Suit the professor. We'll get to the, we'll get to the addressing the default and filed a counterclaim, and is representing herself. And with that, yes, all of you are going, Emily, this is DEFCON Red. It is. It is DEFCON Red. So for those of you watching who are familiar with DEFCON Red, it flashes a bit. For those of you in the audio, you'll just hear the music. It is DEFCON Red. 
Yeah, it is. A counterclaim after a default. The, the audacity of this filing, however, has forfeited the jurisdictional argument. So I guess we live here now. So let's take a look at these arguments, shall we? Because I am fascinated. Sure am. Sure am fascinated. Sure am. Introduction. This is to the answer and affirmative defenses and counterclaim filed pro se by said TikToker. This is just. Paragraph one of the introduction of the complaint contains a narrative for which no answer is required. <laughs> In November 2021, four students at the University of Idaho were murdered at home near the campus. The tragedy has garnered attention and inflicted great sorrow throughout the university, the state, and the country. To the extent that an answer is required, the defendant denies all allegations in the introduction of the complaint. The parties, defendant partially denies the allegations in the first sentence of paragraph one that the party's portion of the complaint pertaining to the allegation that Rebecca Schofield is an individual. Um, the objection is that the, the plaintiff is not an, in, an individual. I've not seen that before. Um, I don't know what the defendant thinks that the plaintiff is. The plaintiff is not a corporation, and therefore they are, in fact, a individual. Um, but the defendant denies the allegation in the first paragraph that Rebecca Schofield is, in fact, an, an individual. Um, the defendant admits the allegations in the second sentence of paragraph one of the party's portion of the complaint. Plaintiff admits the first sentence of paragraph two in the complaint and denies the remaining allegations contained in the second sentence. Great. So she admits seemingly where she lives. Jurisdiction and venue. Defendant denies all allegations in paragraph three, denies all allegations in paragraph four. Okay. If you're challenging jurisdiction and venue, though, those are separate motions. Those are not just uh, denials. So factual allegations. Paragraph five of the complaint is a narrative for which no answer is required. To the extent an answer is required, uh, TikToker denies all allegations. And then she goes through either denying the allegations or stating that she lacks significant, uh, sufficient knowledge to answer and goes through the general denials in the rest of the complaint um, and goes through general denials. First claim of relief for defamation continued the general denials. Second claim continues the general denials. Affirmative defenses. The venue is improper because it impedes upon the interest of justice. Ashley is a resident of Texas. Um, well, the issue might be spotted that the venue or jurisdiction is improper. You have now filed an answer and seated to the venue and jurisdiction. So arguing in the affirmative defenses that the venue is improper is not really the best plan of attack now that you've answered this and that a default has been entered. I'm not trying to be instructive here, but I will just say, and this, this is both legal and life advice, a lawyer is generally a good idea when you are facing a million-plus-dollar defamation suit, even if that seems untenable. 
But um, just going ahead and answering things pro se is, especially in a civil lawsuit, is difficult. So, um, yeah, goes on and spots the issue and says the venue is improper for this case because the events giving rise to the claims of the defamation took place on Ashley, Ashley Gouillard's social media pages. There is no district in which this action may be brought except United States District Court for the Southern District of Texas. Actually, that's not true. It could also be brought in state court. A foreign plaintiff can bring things in state court. It's, but um, that's not that's not going to work. The complaint fails to state a claim upon relief upon which relief can be granted. So there's your twelve B six, but that's also a different motion, not an affirmative defense. It can't be pled this way. Plaintiff's claims are barred by the substantial truth doctrine pursuant to Mason versus New Yorker Magazine, Inc., and puts the case law in there. This is a lot of Googling. Plaintiff's claims are barred by qualified privilege. Uh, the four University of Idaho students were brutally murdered. Without the arrest of the murderers, there's a presumption of danger to the public. Um, University of Idaho constituents and Idaho residents. Discovering and revealing the murders with the intent to get them investigated and arrested is an act to warn others about the harm or danger and to bring resolution to the problem. The problem being the danger to the public. The statements were made in the best interest of public safety. Ashley Gouliard made the statements without actual malice. That's a different defense. Therefore, qualified privilege permits the defendant TikToker to make the statements that in a different circumstance would typically be considered defamatory. Yep. The TikToker has said, look, look, these statements are typically defamatory. I admit, I, I admit that these statements are, are typically defamatory, but they're not defamatory because there's a threat to public safety. And TikToker Ashley Gouillard believes that they have some kind of qualified privilege that does not actually exist under law because of a threat to the safety of the residents of Idaho, but then says if the qualified privilege that does not exist and is not, in fact, lawful law permits the defendant to make statements that in different circumstances would be co typically considered defamatory. Mm -hmm. the, that's in the, the, the admission is now in the uh, defenses. I've never seen a qualified immunity defense quite like this. That's not or qualified privilege, sorry, it's called qualified privilege. That doesn't work like that. There is no TikToker privilege acknowledged under the law. And most forms of privilege in other contexts of law aren't going to work here. So we're going to keep going on, but I'm going to hold on to the this qualified privilege that doesn't exist under law permits the defendant to make statements that in a different circumstance would be typically considered defamatory. So now we all agree. I'm so glad we all agree that these are defamatory statements. It seems that the answer gives us, um, gives us everything here. Plaintiff's claims are barred, it goes on to say, by the parameters of the broad freedom of expression guaranteed by the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. So we didn't even get to freedom of speech. We got just to freedom of expression, but we did get to the First Amendment. And there we go. Going on, plaintiff's claims are barred by fraud. The plaintiff's claim 
plaintiff's claim. They're barred by fraud because they're false, perjurious, frivolous, and claimed with malice to get away unethical conduct, adultery, and murder. There's a word missing in the sentence, and I'm not going to pick on the typos because there's so much else to talk about. Plaintiff's claims are barred by fraud because they're false, perjurious, and frivolous, and claimed with malice to get away with unethical conduct, adultery, and murder. That's not a legal defense at, at all. This case jumped the shark in the writing. I, I, I don't. I don't know what's happening here, but it seems that TikToker is claiming that the plaintiff's claims are also perjurious, frivolous, and maybe defamatory because now we have malice in there because the plaintiff is seeking to get away with adultery and murder. We must, we must continue. Yes, she, yes, in the legal pleadings, she is now re-alleging the things that got her sued for defamation in the first place. That's where we're at. Plaintiff's claims are barred by comparative negligence. The plaintiff, Professor Schofield, committed the allegations that the defendant alleged as they are substantially true. The plaintiff is at least 51% at fault for being accused of the allegations. The plaintiff is at least 51% at fault for being accused of the allegations. Therefore, the plaintiff may not recover damages. That's it's not really how comparative negligence works. If I said contributory negligence earlier, I apologize. My brain just went there. That's that's a comparative, comparative negligence. Okay. Plaintiff claims are barred by illegality because they are perjurous under 18 U.S.C. 1621. She's now accusing the lawyer and the plaintiff of perjury, not, not libel, not slander, perjury. Okay. Plaintiff's claims are barred by illegality because they're claimed with the intent to obstruct civil justice and with intent to obstruct criminal justice pursuant to 18 USC 1503. These are these are not civil statutes, these are criminal criminal statutes. And then we get to the counterclaims. Yep. The counterclaims. Counterclaim plaintiff TikToker brings these counterclaims against Professor Schofield and the attorney and attorney Wendy Olson and attorney Elijah Watkins and every other attorney that works at the firm in Boise, Idaho. All of the attorneys suing all of the attorneys, not just not just suing the plaintiff, but all of the attorneys as well. Um, I don't think. TikToker realizes how litigation privilege works, but that's okay. We're gonna just we're gonna keep going and see what the nature of the counterclaims are. Um, I am reading from this. Here is a note for all of you. I have not previewed what this says because I wanted to experience it together because wow, how did we get here? As set forth more fully below on December 21st, 2022, Professor Schofield and the attorneys, I'm just gonna call them the attorneys. They're all named. Filed a complaint against Ashley Gouliard. By the way, if you're wondering, Hamley, can I sue an attorney for suing me? <sighs> okay. There are very, 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 very narrow circumstances where that might even be contemplated. This is not one of those circumstances. Very, very, very narrow circumstances. 
where that might be considered. I said considered, not proper. Let's keep going. All right. And lawyers, professor and lawyers, they filed a complaint against Ashley, notwithstanding the fact that their claims are false, defamatory, and with intent to obstruct justice for the case of the murder of four Idaho University students. And she then names the victims of that case. TikToker was the only person aware of Professor Schofield's role in the murder of the four University of Idaho students who spoke up about it. We have now doubled down again to stop TikToker from promulgating her testimony of Schofield's role. By the way, there's no testimony in the legal sense here. Um, TikTok is not testimonial in nature, in the legal sense of the word testimony. To stop Gouillard from promulgating her testimony of Schofield's role in the murders and to get away with murder, Schofield and her attorneys filed a frivolous, perjurious, and defamatory complaint against TikToker. What? Attorneys and Schofield collectively executed a strategy to discredit, embarrass, humiliate, and assassinate defendant's character by disseminating false statements in a press release that was disseminated worldwide and to most of the major news outlets across America beginning in late December 2022 and continuing into January 2023. The false statements made by attorney and Schofield include, well, who made the statements? They didn't both speak it. A false statement that TikToker decided to use the community's pain for her online self-promotion, a false statement that TikToker made false statements about Schofield knowing they were false, a false statement that, so pleading their case, a false statement that Gouillard has no basis to make the factual statements regarding any of the events that occurred in Idaho, a false statement, this is all just listed in a, this is all just listed with a comma in a very long paragraph, a false statement that TikToker made false statements regarding Schofield's involvement in the murder of the four University of Idaho students that were not based in substantial truth. A statement that Gouillard damaged Schofield's reputation. How is that false? A false statement that Gouillard undermined law enforcement efforts. A false statement that Gouillard compounded the trauma that the families of the victims were experiencing. The false statements were spread by the way of news media and social media to include ABC Universal, New York Post, CBS News, Time Magazine, CNN, 2020 Inside Edition, Good Morning America, Baller Alert, Washington Post, TMZ, NBC, MSN, Fox, Rolling Stone, Black Enterprise, Yahoo News, Daily Nation, Pakistan, ABC 7, Chicago, ABC 7 News, ABC 8 News, Houston Chronicle, Inside Edition, The Daily Beast, Insider.com, The Argonaut, University of Idaho Student Newspaper, News Nation, The Independent UK, True Crime Network, Law and Crime, multiple YouTube channels, Apple Podcasts, apparently all of them, multiple TikTok pages, Twitter, Facebook user posts, Instagram user posts, Reddit user articles, other social media videos, MEA Worldwide, The Wenatchee World, Sportskeeda, Mama's Uncut, Find Law, Daily Mail, King 5 News, I'm Not Done Yet, Four News Now, The Tab, Emily, why are you still reading those? I don't know. I started and now I feel like I'm invested and I have to keep reading them. Similar World News, Fox 5 San Diego, NBC New York, 6ABC, Pedestrian TV, Technotrends, Perez Hilton Website, Oregon Live, The Associated Press, The Guardian, New York Daily News, Sandra Rose Website, E! News, AOL, Moscow Pullman Daily News, The Sports Grail Website, Blavity News, Newsweek, 
24-7 news around the world, The Hill, The U.S. Sun, Reason website, PIX11 News, I'm almost done, I swear, NBC right now, WREG News 3, WREG News website, KTLA 5 News Channel, DC News Now, Ground News, Idaho Mountain Express, Tromag, and many, many more. Why did we, why did we get to many, many more? They were listed. They were listed. The false statements on the frivolous lawsuit and press releases initiated by Rebecca Schofield and lawyers influenced and incited an online riot against TikToker with over 20,000 negative comments across social media platforms. How do you calculate those? Do you have to count them? That seems awful. The use of the word online riot, though, I, I can appreciate it. It's descriptive. A massive amount of cyberbullying, death threats, harassment to Gouliard, harassment to her family, friends, by way of messages from strangers seeking to have Ashley Gouliard's son taken from her to have her committed to a psychiatric facility and to have her arrested. It's interesting when you say shit that's false about people online, the things that can happen. Gouliard is now saying that the things that were alleged in the lawsuit were false about her, but she did accuse Professor Schofield of murder. So when Schofield said that these were the things happening to her, it feels like we are now in a very, very strange um, parallel universe where she's saying, but I said things that were true and you sued me for the things that I said and you suing me for the things that I've said has caused backlash. The misleading press release, frivolous claims and false statements about Ashley that the attorneys put out there encouraged further defamation against Ashley Gouillard. Oh, YouTube personality, I never. I just, I don't know, poggers in the chat. Do we send him nuggies for making it into a lawsuit? Should I just send this lawsuit to iNabber? I think that's what happens next. I think I just need to find an email for iNabber and be like, by the way, here's this. YouTube personality iNabber, who has over 933,000 subscribers, stated in a video he published titled TikTok's Worst Psychic Ruined the Life of an Innocent Woman, the Idaho Murders, diagnosed Ashley Gouillard's mental health state as quote-unquote nutty and falsely accused her of ruining an innocent woman assumingly Rebecca Schofield, life and suggesting Ashley Gouliard lose her freedom of speech. But was it hyperbolic? MEA Worldwide, an independent digital media company, claims to be one of the world's fastest growing entertainment news publishers with offices in the US and India that reaches hundreds of millions of people, globally wrote an article titled, Who is Ashley Gouliard? Meet the Internet's Taboo Tubs Who Falsely Accused Professor for Idaho Murders. The article further defamed Ashley as a liar who made demeaning baseless claims that endangered Rebecca Schofield's life. The article portrays Schofield as an innocent history professor, footnote one. And then it links it. Dr. Grande, a YouTube personality with over 1.2 million subscribers, also claims to be a licensed professional counselor of mental health, a licensed chemical dependency professional, and do have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, published a YouTube video titled TikTok psychic uses Idaho murders to falsely accuse Professor Ashley Gouliard case analysis published in the description that Ashley Gouliard made false claims about the 2020 Moscow-Idaho quadruple murder case suggesting Ashley Gouliard didn't or doesn't put any thought into her videos, lacks critical thinking skills, makes bizarre statements, idiocy, and doesn't understand suggesting mental health issues. Did Dr. Gouliard say idiocy? I, what? Or Dr. Grande? Did Dr. Grande say idiocy? What? Oh, law and crime. 
Law and Crime Network published to a network of 4.29 million subscribers, suggesting that Ashley Gouillard has mental health issues in a video titled TikTok Sleuth Slammed with Lawsuit from Idaho Professor Over Student Murder Conspiracy. YouTuber Marquee, Marquee, Marquee. I'm sending this to him immediately. YouTuber Marquee published a YouTube. What about a Tuesday? Is a Tuesday in here too? Hold on. We got it. Emily, keep reading. YouTuber Marquee published a video on YouTube to his network of 376,000 subscribers titled TikTok, quote unquote, psychic lies about innocent woman to ruin her life. Ashley with WREG News publishes that Ashley Gouillard's lies or actions, sorry, Freud slip. Ashley Gouillard's actions are, quote unquote, appalling in a news coverage, in news coverage regarding the lawsuit. Is that the word I used at the beginning of this podcast? It might have been. It might have been. <sighs> Ashley with WREG News also stated she hoped to hear more about Moscow Police Department following through on pressing criminal charges against cyber sleuths, but more specifically, Ashley Gouillard. In the same video, another correspondent referred to Schofield as a quote-unquote innocent person, footnote two, and then it links to the article. There are plenty more defamatory videos posted on social media, the internet, podcast, and television, media spreading false statements about, spreading the false statements Rebecca Schofield and the attorney made about Gouillard. If you want to sue the outlets for false statements, you have to sue the outlets. You can't just, you can sue the speaker as well. But many of the media outlets wrote several articles, posted several YouTube videos, and aired several televised news coverage spreading the false claims. The parties. TikToker is an individual residing in Texas. She is an author, entrepreneur, and United States Army combat veteran. Well, that is new information. Um, thank you for your service. But also, this is a lawyer, a lawyer with this. Counterclaimant Schofield is a public figure. Hmm? That's not how we establish public figure. You can't just claim them to be a public figure and hope that they are a public figure. Rebecca Schofield is a public figure residing in Idaho. She is an associate professor and chair of the history department. And then she lists the attorneys and then counterclaimant Wendy Olson is an attorney, former U.S. attorney for the District of Idaho. <laughs> She's suing a former AUSA. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, this is delightful. Um, so Wendy Olson is a former AUSA for the District of Idaho. She might be the form the former U.S. attorney. I'm just not sure if she is actually the former district attorney or an AUSA. Counterclaim defendant um, Watkins is a trial attorney. Counterclaimant um, other attorney is a former deputy attorney general for the state of Idaho. <laughs> they are going to act with restraint, I'm sure. I don't have to, but they will probably act in a restrained and dignified manner. I'm just, I'm just shocked. Factual allegations, counterclaim plaintiff, TikToker incorporates all the stuff said above, said that on December, well, if you're going to incorporate it, don't just reiterate it. She's now alleging again that the plaintiff is attempting to criminally obstruct justice under 18 U.S.C. 1510 by preventing suspicion to avoid criminal investigation into her role in the murders. December 21st, the attorneys filed a perjurious claim 
that the TikToker defamed the professor in full knowledge of the potential that the statements that the TikToker made about Schofield's role in the murders could be true. How do you know that? She's alleging that the attorneys knew that the claims could be true. The claims against Gouillard are in bad faith, lacking in fact with the intent to harass, delay, and embarrass, and is frivolous, and then cites uh, case law with regard to frivolous lawsuits. They then say that the claim, she says the claim is perjurous again, and the claim was filed with the intent to obstruct justice, again, in a criminal statute, and to avoid criminal investigation. She said that the perjurous false statements, that the TikToker's statements compounded the trauma the family's experienced, and that it is false that the defendant, TikToker, has re-victimized the family of the slain students. <sighs> Yahoo News quoted the attorney in a statement saying, quote, Ms. Gouillard has continued to make false statements knowing they are false. The attorney made a false statement on Fox News Digital and was subsequently quoted in other outlets saying the statements Gouillard made about Professor Schofield are false, plain and simple. And it goes on and on quoting the attorney saying that the statements are false, which is the attorney acting in connection with the litigation. So um, you can't sue for all of that because that's all covered by litigation privilege. It doesn't even matter because the lawsuit has been deemed, you know, defaulted. It goes on to say that attorney and Schofield's false statements about TikToker were disseminated through the media outlets. Oh, and lists them again. I'm not reading them again. I tried the first time and it it was hard. First counterclaim for relief, defamation, 28 USC 4101, press releases, statements, and lawsuits. So all the statements. She's suing for defamation under 18 U.S.C. 4101 for all the statements, knowing that they are false, and reiterates what was stated above about the statements. Making public defamatory statements about a defendant and spreading false information on news media about a defendant is not an attorney duty prescribed by law that is protected by immunity or absolute privilege. Mm, that's, not, that's not how litigation privilege works. Second counterclaim for relief is defamation under 28 U.S.C. 4101 for the press releases statements made by the attorney. Okay, so suing the attorney in both uh, for the statements the attorney gave to the media in connection with the lawsuit and goes through and, um, and lists them. But there's some new information here, which is very interesting. It says on November 23rd, 2022, the Moscow Police Department made a public statement, tips, Detectives are looking for context to the events and people involved in these murders. Anyone who observed notable behavior has surveillance, video surveillance, or can provide relevant information is asked to call the tip line, and then they include an email. Ashley Gouillard's videos and statements regarding the murder of the four students and potential murders were made after this statement. She's arguing that her statements on TikTok are protected statements because it was after the detectives asked for tips to be sent to the tip line on the website listed, to the phone number listed, or to the email listed? It didn't say make those on, on, on the tip line. It, it, it didn't, my brain glitched. It didn't say make those on TikTok. It said if you have information, email or call, but she's saying, no, no, they asked for my help, so that's why I made the statements. 
on December 7th, and we've got, there's, there's a continued uh, train of thought here. On December 7th, the Moscow Police Department made a statement seeking more information. Quote, your information, whether you believe it is significant or not, might be the piece of the puzzle that helps investigators solve these murders. Footnote five, she linked it. Ashley's videos and statements regarding the murder of the four students and potential murderers were made to help provide information. What? It was made on TikTok. It wasn't made to the tip line. On December 27th, Moscow Police Department made a public statement saying, quote, investigators believe someone has information that adds context to what occurred the night of the murders and continue requesting additional pictures, video, and social media content. They're not asking you to make social media content. They're asking for social media content that might have captured a car, the victims, people near and around the victims at night, the locations where the victims were. And that was after the lawsuit was filed, she says. Law enforcement did not make a statement to Ashley Gouillard or otherwise that Ashley undermined their efforts. The videos and statements Ashley made regarding the murder was to help law enforcement get answers to find the murderers so that they can be legally tried. I like that she puts in murderers, not murderer, so that they can be legally tried for their alleged crimes and provide... Why are you calling people murderers and then saying it's alleged? You've called them murderers. <sighs> and to provide answers and potential relief to the public and victims' families. They say the attorney, the attorney's false defamatory statements about TikToker incited further news coverage spreading the defamation, incited online rage on social media, further defaming Goliard's character, inciting the spread of false statements that Ashley Goliard was, quote, insane, quote, has mental health issues, quote, suffers from psychosis, quote, has schizophrenia, quote, quote, posting videos for clout. Why is that include with all the speculation on mental health and the diagnosing? Okay. Quote, harming victims' families, quote, insane, quote, causing harm to Rebecca Schofield and her family and more. Many people, to include people who were following Gouillard on social media, believe those statements without any thought or research into their truth or falsity. Okay. The attorney's defamatory statements about TikTokers stifled her work performance on TikTok, damaged her reputation, resulted in a loss of service and revenue. You've got to delineate that more. Prior to the allegations, Gouillard was helping a mother get details regarding the assaults of a six-year-old daughter by a close family member, helping a sister get details regarding an unsolved murder by her brother or of her brother. Apologies. Helping a woman decide on a course of action to get justice for an essay in her past, helping a daughter to get details on the murder of her family, helping a wife perceive the ramifications of a divorce or continued marriage and more. Um, I don't understand. Um, is she, are people hiring her for readings regarding these things? Is that what she's saying? I think that's what she's saying. After the defamatory allegations, Gouillard was unable to focus on serving others and received less inquiries due to the damage of her reputation. Okay. If the truth was told, TikToker would have been able to serve more people to include helping solve the murders of the musician, Takeoff, and then she lists other 
cases as well. So she's not been able to focus on solving other murders in a TikTok capacity. Okay. She then goes on to say that the attorney's defamatory allegation to the media about TikToker undermining law enforcement was made without evidence, with malice, and without regard for its falsity. That's not going to work. Providing a public statement on behalf of her client, Schofield, is a lawyerly duty prescribed by law. Defaming the defendant with malice, disseminating false statements to national and international public is not duty prescribed by law for the attorney. She goes on to say the attorney is fully accountable for the defamatory allegations she made about Gouillard. Well, this is this is not what I expected when, when Johnny Depp was sued for statements his lawyer made. I didn't expect to see the lawyer made for statements that the lawyer made, but we're seeing that now too. Um, it's not gonna fly legally, but we're but it's happening including defamatory statements made by the attorneys outside of a legal proceeding in immunity and absolute privilege would unreasonably shield attorneys from liability for defamatory statements that would be otherwise actionable if uttered by anyone other than an attorney. It's not quite how that works. Allowing such actions would permit attorneys to defend their clients by any means without repercussion for illegal or punishable actions. The intent of attorney immunity, litigation privilege, is to protect attorneys from suit when they, in good faith, are performing duties on behalf of or in defense of their client during legal proceedings and duties. They're talking about a lawsuit that they filed. Okay. Third counterclaim, defamation. More. Um, and this goes to that the families are re-victimized by Ashley Gouliard's statement. I'm, I'm, I, what? Okay, the professor and the attorney published false statements that defendant compounded the trauma. By the way, these are all these are all contained within the lawsuit that Gouillard's behavior is compounding the trauma the families of the victims are experiencing. That was all those are all statements within the lawsuit. Fourth claim for relief, frivolous claim, and then it cited a case. Nietzsche versus Williams from 1989, and fraud, that claim is combined, and fraud under 18 U.S.C. 1001. And they're saying that the attorneys in Schofield filed false claims against Gouillard, that the false statements made in the press releases, and that Schofield and the attorney made false statements in a press release as a tactic to intimidate Ashley from her testimony on social media and to the FBI tip line about Schofield's role in the murders of the victims in Idaho. And that this is um, witness intimidation? Okay. Gouillard no longer feels legally protected enough to use her knowledge to help with any more cases that include the case of the murder of the four University of Idaho students for fear of harassment and more frivolous claims. Yep, that's, I think, what she's trying to say. And, and that the claim is filed in the wrong venue. I don't know why that's under this counterclaim. The claim is filed in the wrong venue with the intent of obstructing justice, justice for Gouillard, justice for the TikToker, that this claim was filed to obstruct justice for the TikToker 
by creating judicial conditions favorable to the plaintiff and prejudiced toward TikToker. The attorneys have over 40 years of experience as United States attorneys. Well, that's not true. One of them was not a U.S. attorney. One was a U.S. attorney. Like, that's a term of art. Do you mean attorneys in the U.S. or U.S. attorneys? They have enough knowledge and experience to properly interpret 28 U.S.C. 1391 and choose the correct venue. This is a civil case. The events giving rise to the claims took place um, on our social media and internet. There is no district in which this action may be brought other than Texas. And then that's all shoved into this claim. And then there's a claim for harassment and emote. Wait, harassment and intentional infliction of emotional distress and loss of enjoyment of life. That's all one claim. Um, the filing of the frivolous claims against Gouillard TikToker by professor and lawyers have encouraged mass harassment against her pursuant to Idaho statute 186710 and 18 USC 1514. But if you're if you're saying this is the wrong venue, don't sue under Idaho statutes. Gouillard has received harassing phone calls, emails, text messages, comments, messages on Instagram, messages on Facebook, messages on TikTok, messages on YouTube, messages on her website, which is listed www.ashisgod.com. Don't go leave messages, by the way. Just don't. Just nope out of getting involved with any of this. Threatening to inflict harm against Gouillard, always a problem. Not okay. Go after the people threatening to inflict harm. That's not okay. Uh, threatening to inflict harm against defendant. Signing her up for pornography websites. Yeah, that's one of the first stages of online harassment. However, the hub does a really good job of taking those down. Just email them. They really do a good job of working with you. But that that is one of the first stages of online harassment. Expressing wishes that she would self-harm. That's never okay. Don't do that. Maliciously misdiagnosing her as insane. Maliciously misdiagnosing her as crazy. Maliciously misdiagnosing her with, and she lists a number of other things, including schizophrenia, psychosis, expressing desires to have her arrested, um, and sending her indecent videos of body parts to include male genitals. That is also something that happens on the internet. Don't do that either. Um, and again, diagnosing people with mental health is something I'm very much against on this channel, but I, um, the internet is the internet. The thing is, this is also what Schofield was subjected to so it's interesting to see the script get flipped and see the TikToker complain of this. I don't think anyone should harass people on the internet. The frivolous claims against Gouillard by Schofield have caused her, she says, emotional distress, mental distress, suffering or anguish, shame, humiliation, shock, embarrassment, grief. She has suffered loss of enjoyment of life. She typically travels on New Year's Eve, NYE, as she did in 2021. Instead, on NYE 2022, she chose to stay inside for fear of her life, arguments, and embarrassment. She suffered mental anguish due to the potential harm caused by the continuous threats to harm her or hopes that she would um, pass. Ashley suffered mental anguish over the fact that these statements were disseminated, disseminated to a national audience. Prayer for relief. Here's the prayer for relief. It's a, a mass press release with a statement that Gouillard approves to every news outlet that this lawsuit was covered 
and to social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Reddit, and all others that it was covered on correcting the false claims made about Gouillard. She wants a mass apology from the internet. Mass press release in every news outlet that this lawsuit was covered on with an apology to Gouillard that she approves for all accusations made against her, compensatory and punitive damages to be determined by the judge, for judgment dismissing the plaintiff's claim, for summary judgment on the counterclaim, pre- and post-judgment interest. And that, and that is the counterclaim. I know this is a long episode. We're not done yet, but first a word from this sponsor. Our friends at Manscaped have released their official beard hedger, and this couldn't come at a better time because it seems that all we're talking about is beards on all of the witnesses in the Murdoch trial. Not as many beards in today's episode, which is great. But if you are looking for a smooth, well-coiffed beard, the Beard Hedger is a tremendous product. And it's all in one, so you don't have the bits and pieces of every other thing we have used at our house rattling around in your drawer. It is a cordless trimmer that has a rotary wheel with 20 haircutting lengths, all with one guard. Plus, he can sculpt his looks however his heart desires and unlock all of his best beard life. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit also comes with a shampoo, conditioner, beard oil, and you get a bonus gift with incredible beard scissors and a beard comb. Dr. B loves the beard comb because it just helps his beard lay down smoothly with the beard balm that smells delightful. So if there's a special someone in your life whose beard could use a little bit of love, treat them to the self-care of the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Did I mention you get 20% off and free shipping when you use our code LAWNERD? Yeah, just for us. 20% off and free shipping with code LAWNERD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code LAWNERD. The Manscaped Beard Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Let's get back to 20 different ways to file your own defamation suit right now. She is filing now to set aside the default saying, now before the court is respondent, TikToker's motion to reopen the matter because it defaulted. Granting relief from the default order pursuant to Rule of Civil Procedure 60B1 and 60B3, the grounds for this motion are set forth more fully in the attached memorandum incorporated by reference. The attached memorandum is asking the court to reset aside or to set aside the clerk's judgment. Defendant Gouillard is in default of clerk's entry of default was entered on January 27, 2023. Defendant failed to plead or otherwise defend said action within the 21-day period provided for the rules due to excusable neglect or fraud misconduct by opposing parties. Oh, really? Gouillard petitions for an extension of time. It's a bit late. Pursuant to the federal rules of civil procedure, Gouillard included the motion's answer and counterclaim with filing this motion less than 30 days after the 21-day period within a reasonable time. Excusable neglect is grounds for relief from a final judgment or order um, if granted by the court. Gouillard did not respond timely due to being overwhelmed with multiple civil actions and responsibilities. There's more lawsuits against her. There's more law. I didn't know there were more lawsuits. Oh, there's more. But she doesn't list them. Hmm. This civil action was filed December 21st, 2022. During that time, 
Gouillard already had a civil action pending in county civil court in Harris County, Texas, docket number 11195377. Well, you know what I'm doing after this. Gouillard represents herself pro se, solely conducted research, solely gathered evidence. Lawyers do that too. In that process, she made mistakes while learning how to prepare the answer, counterclaims, and motions. After nearly 40 pages of an answer and counterclaim, Gouillard had to redo it correctly. So she's overwhelmed in a civil action in Texas because she didn't hire a lawyer and had to follow the rules properly. And the rules are real freaking picky. They are. Um, and she didn't know how to do it because not a lawyer. The court doesn't care, though. If you're pro se, they treat you as if you are a lawyer and you are assumed to have the knowledge of a lawyer, even though you don't, which is why you have to hire a lawyer. But she had to redo the action in that other case. And that's, she's saying why she didn't follow this. She was also overwhelmed with family obligations. This is not turning in a paper late. Gouillard is the custodial parent responsible for physically caring for a child while his dad is on military orders. Well, thank him for his service. Gouillard was the local next of kin for a family member who was in the hospital intensive care on life support. This is also why you hire an attorney. Gouillard chose to support her family member during that time because there was no other family to help. TikToker also feared for her family safety during multiple attempts by someone trying to illegally enter her apartment. Well, that's not fucking okay. However, having to deal with this and physical safety is different. And this is a civil case. No one's going to assign you an attorney, but this is why you need an attorney. The attorneys deal with the lawyer stuff and you deal with the work stuff. Having to deal with multiple attempts by someone getting into her apartment is really fucking not okay. But it's not going to be excuse for the court. Fraud is grounds for relief from a final judgment. I'm very interested to hear about the fraud. Attorney and, and Professor Schofield made false statements about Gouillard in the press release that was disseminated worldwide to most of the major news outlets. That's not what the court's talking about, though. That's not fraud. That's not fraud to release you from the obligations to answer the court. On January 19th, Attorney Olson filed a motion for entry of default on behalf of Plaintiff Schofield requesting responses from Gouillard due by February 9th. They weren't due by February 9th. The responses to the default were due by February 9th. Attorney Olson did not serve Gouillard a copy of this motion. Gouillard does not have a copy of this motion and is unaware of the contents of this motion. I didn't see any said motion. Just the motion for the default, and the motion for the default is in the court system. Gouillard was made aware of this motion by a staff member of the court in a phone call she made to the district court on February 10th. You were served, and it tells you you have 21 days. February 10th is too late. Gouillard battles with combat-related PTSD, which limits her ability to work and finish tasks when she is under increased amount of stress. And that sucks. But that is why you have to hire an attorney, because the court, if an attorney was struggling with that, would not give any grounds on the statutory deadlines for an attorney. Her stress increased due to the increased amount of responsibility being defamed in nationwide news media, the hateful messages and comments towards her, harassment and threats of violence. It collectively diminished her ability to effectively handle the responsibilities. Evidence for Docket, the other case, 
in Texas, was submitted too late. Gulliard had to cease support for her family in the hospital. Her son's birthday celebration was postponed, and her response to civil action in this one is late. Going forward, she says, she will prioritize court rules, orders, and actions and file timely actions. Your Honor, I had to postpone my son's birthday. A default for the judgment will cause prejudice to the non-moving party. Yes, it will default you. It has defaulted you. The default's been entered. The defendant, for multiple reasons, to include the action that was filed, an improper venue, by nature impedes upon the interest of justice, she's a resident of Texas. That's not the right motion, though. There's no motion to dismiss pending based on improper jurisdiction. And then the prayer for relief is attached. I'm not done yet. There's more. Are you shocked? Yeah, there's more. Oh, yeah, there's more. There's more. There's a motion by this defendant to access the PACER system and get access to the online system, which I don't think you have to file a motion for. But then. Professor Schofield files a response. And this one I'm going to summarize because this has been a long episode. Files a response. Yep. And here we are. And here we are. By the way, um, if you are still still listening to this episode, watching this episode, just go ahead and, and leave a comment. I really, I say this a lot of episodes, but on this one, I have to know what you are thinking about this episode. I have to know. Please tell me what you are thinking about this because I am flabbergasted by the audacity of the whole thing. All right. Response to defendant's motion for relief from a judgment or order pursuant to federal rule of civil procedure. After four students were tragically murdered near the University of Idaho, defendant TikToker decided to trade on the community's pain to promote herself online. TikToker randomly targeted Professor Schofield and stated repeatedly to a broad audience that Schofield had an inappropriate romantic affair with one of the victims and then ordered the murder of all four of the students. Rather than engage in an online feud with TikToker, bringing further attention to the suspicious assertions, oh, sorry, specious assertions, and distracting from the victims' memories, Schofield took the responsible approach, sending two private cease and desist letters before asking the court to intervene. In response... Gouillard ignored the judicial process and defaulted. She now seeks to set aside the default, but this is the rare case where the court should deny such relief. Gouillard's default was intentional. She has known about this lawsuit since it was filed. She posted videos almost immediately after the complaint was filed, boasted about how excited she was for the litigation and continuing to defame the professor. It's a good argument. She also posted a video acknowledging that she was served Gouillard made no meritorious defense. She, since the complaint was filed, Brian Koberger has been charged with the murders. Moscow Police Department issued a statement that it does not believe Schofield was involved in the murders. Gouillard refuses to accept reality, instead posting fanciful statements that law enforcement is corruptly targeting Koberger to protect Schofield. Schofield will be prejudiced by Gouillard's untimely participation in this lawsuit. Goyard clearly intends to make this litigation a circus to bring more attention to herself. Ooh, they called it a clout circus. It's a clout circus. As she has posted about it constantly, oh, she's going to definitely make it content. She's continued to accuse the professor of witness tampering because Gouillard's, quote unquote, a spiritual witness to the murders and seeks to assert claims that Schofield, against Schofield and her counsel. These frivolous and untimely ploys will only bring more attention to TikToker, drive up litigation's cost for Professor, 
and most unfortunately distract from delivering justice and finality to the victim's families. Gouliard has a chance to defend herself in this litigation and chose self-promotion instead. Oh, they doubled down. They doubled down. Gouliard had a chance to defend herself in this litigation and chose self-promotion instead. The court should not reopen this matter, but instead send a strong and clear message to Gouliard that the madness must stop. No clout for you. No clout for you here. They then go through the background again and talk about the sensationalized TikTok videos, talk about the fact that with no other opportunities, the professor filed the or sent the cease and desist and then filed the complaint. Since filing the complaint, Gouliard's online activity has been too prolific to fully document. At a high level, Gouliard has two TikTok accounts. Ashley is in the book of life and Ashley is God in the flesh and a blog, Ash is God. Based on what is publicly available on those accounts, she had posted at least 100 videos and three blog posts. She regularly interacts with viewers in the comment sections. She has posted approximately a 40-minute video on YouTube, footnote two, and has had interviews with many media outlets, footnote three, News Nation, Law and Crime, The Independent, and links all of those. To provide some specific examples, Gouillard almost immediately began posting on the lawsuit, boasting about how she was excited about the lawsuit and continuing to defame Professor Schofield, footnote four. Gouillard was served December 27th, the same day Gouillard posted a TikTok video acknowledging service, footnote five. And the Moscow Police Department issued a press release stating it did not believe the professor was involved with the murders. Three days later, they, uh, Brian Koberger was arrested. The lawsuit, or the response, goes on to say, despite this new evidence that Professor Schofield was not responsible for the murders, and despite clear facts showing Schofield was not involved and that Gouillard has made no effort to discover the facts, Gouillard continued to post videos making false statements about Schofield. She asserted that Schofield worked with Kohlberger and even questioned the integrity of the Moscow Police Department, stating that corruption led to the arrest of Kohlberger instead of Schofield footnote nine. And there is a whole link of TikTok videos and of blog posts. Gouillard also posted videos explaining how she could win this case in court and accusing Schofield's counsel of witness tampering Footnote 10, okay. Is that TikTok still up? Oh, it is. That TikTok is still up. Mm. Yes. Let's. Also, I'll be pressing charges against everybody who participated in witness tampering. Witness intimidation is a form of obstruction of justice, and it's a federal crime to interfere with witness testimony or cooperation in a criminal case. Is she the witness? Everything I've done is because I was a witness, a spiritual witness, but still a witness to the crime and wanted to put out the information for mass dissemination so that it could help get the case solved. I've also sent in um, emails to the tip line. Everybody, including attorneys, whether that be Whitney Olsen, Rebecca Schofield, anybody else listed as her attorneys, anybody who submitted press releases or did anything to interfere with my testimony against Rebecca Schofield and Jack DePour, I'm pressing charges on all of y'all. That's not how that works. Counter, first of all, you can't press criminal charges in a civil counterclaim, but I'm fascinated that the TikToks are still up. So, so there we go. So there we go. Um, that was just a sampling of the, the TikToker's statements about these cases. They have linked a ton of them in this answer and then go on to say, defendant's conduct is 
culpable if he received actual or constructive notice of the filing of the action and intentionally failed to answer. Here, Gouillard's own posts show that she knew about the lawsuit on December 22nd, 2022, footnote 11, and was served on December 27th, 2022, footnote 12. While she offers a litany of excuses for why she did not file responsive pleadings, most of which are not supported by proper evidentiary support, the reality is she spent her time posting at least 100 videos on TikTok, writing three blog posts, talking to reporters, recording a 40-minute YouTube video, and interacting with viewers in the comment section. Many of those publications talk about this lawsuit, particularly how excited Gouillard is to win in court. If she had spent time putting those defenses into an answer instead of posting online to get more clicks... She could have filed a timely response, but she chose self-promotion over respect for the judicial process. That was her decision to make. It goes on to say Gouillard intentionally chose not to file a timely answer. She should have to live with the consequences. Gouillard has not presented a meritorious defense. And then it goes on to argue Schofield will be prejudiced if the default is set aside and continues with more footnotes. There are Tons of TikToks linked here, but that's not the last filing. Oh, nay, nay. There is an 18-page motion for default judgment. We're not going to get into all of it. We'll get into the rest of that after the Murdoch case is completed. But just, just a sampling of what is happening next. After the default is entered, Schofield is asking for a default judgment under FRCP 55B2. Plaintiff moves the court to enter a default judgment awarding $1.8 million, and then the motion is supported by memorandum and support and the affidavit of Rebecca Schofield. So they are now asking not just for the default, but the default judgment, and I will be following back on this when the court responds, and we will be going through Schofield's affidavit and through the rest of this motion, and maybe through some more of those TikToks. If you want me to, let me know maybe through some more of those TikToks in our next coverage of this case. And with that, this has been a supersized Emily Show episode. Thank you for hanging with me. Thank you for being a law nerd. It is time to say goodbye. It is time to say goodbye. Thank you for being a law nerd. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May you not post defamatory TikToks. I mean, I know for most of you, that's not really a problem. May your family be well, and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will see you, well, truthfully, I will see you on trial watch during Murdoch because now we're in the defense case and it's just gotten wilder and wilder. You can find more Law Nerd goodness in our private Law Nerd community over at lawnerdsunite.com. And if you want to stay up to date with everything I'm covering, you can follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I recap those streams for those of you a little pressed for time over on the Quick Bits podcast and Quick Bits YouTube channel. Thanks for being a law nerd.